0: Hello and welcome to TARDIS Rubbish, where our brains are bigger on the inside, but still can't contain our rubbish opinions about Doctor Who. Today it's all about The Giggle, the third of the 60th anniversary specials, which saw the debut of Shootie Gatwa Got- as the 15th Doctor. We think? Pretty sure. Pretty sure that's what happened. Um, there's a lot <laughs> going on. I'm Josh and joining me today, he is the host of The Secret Origins of Mint Condition, and the reason that this podcast and Trash Compactor, a Star Wars podcast, both exist. Welcome, James. Thank you for having me back. And he is a frequent contributor to both Secret Origins and Trash Compactor. Welcome, John. Hey, everyone. And my longtime friend and even longer time Doctor Who fan. Welcome, Guy.
1: Hey, guys, it's it's the white. White beard really helps sell the fact that I've been a fan for years.
0: All right, so the giggle. Mm. There's a lot in this one. Uh, Let's start with overall thoughts. John, we, we texted a little, so I'd
2: like for you to start off Oh, boy. Um, this was one hell of an episode. Um, I, I I enjoyed it so much. I was watching it um, a few times over the span of two days just to get it all in, but I I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. I knew that going in with a title like The Giggle it was going to be like, all right, he's going for the silly, but that's going to be the subterfuge to get us right in the gut. Um, and I, th- I thought it was going to be a little, uh, uh, you know, maybe darker or sadder. I don't think I've ever smiled as much as I did both throughout the episode and for the last act, you know, the last 15 minutes or so where I was I was surprised by everything that happened. I was just like, this is not what I was expecting. And I am absolutely delighted. And um, now I'm just I'm supercharged for the next doctor. I am delighted as to what they did with everything and it's like they gave us well to jump sort of to the end concept like the idea of coming home it felt like coming home but also getting a new journey to start as well and i don't know how they did that like that, that, that's two things that you don't usually get in one episode is the idea of excitement about the new adventures of a show and also feeling like I came home and I love this and I'm also getting all the nostalgia, but I'm not, I, I didn't walk away with this grand feel of like sadness and loss. Um, and maybe that's what uh, they were trying to do this time was let's not, tra- maybe this time not quite traumatize the audience, but, you know, give them a real, give them some real stuff to uh, look forward to and also look back on. I don't know that, I guess that's my general sense, but yeah, I, I loved it. No, I love that that's, how, that
0: that's how it hit you. And speaking of the title, The Giggle, I can't help but feel it has a double meaning. I feel like it's kind of Russell T. Davies giggling a little bit uh, with the the by-generation uh, trick that he pulled. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Guy, what about you? Overall thoughts?
1: Overall thoughts was uh, 11 out of 10. And um, I had the same feeling that John had in that it felt like this was a wrap-up of 60 years worth of history for me it was like a wrap-up and a culmination and a it came to a head and then it was just a kind of closure it was really a great little button on all this other stuff and 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 now we're starting not just because we with every regeneration we basically start kind of like at a, at a new point, this just seemed like closure and, 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 and the doctor's now able to, after all this time, he's gotten, he, he figured out, his, he figured out what it was that he was trying to get to. Why it is that he, he did what he did and does what he does. And now it's time for a little bit of a meantime while the doctor continues on. It, just, it was, it was really well done. I it, to some of these regenerations, I I uh, uh, cried and blah, you know and, and oh, I'm gonna miss you. And I just thought it was a nice little closure. I thought it was great closure after 60 years. You, I mean, it just yeah, it was great. It was great, and I'm looking forward now. I'm looking forward even more to seeing what they do and how they switch it. And looking at the trailer and the clips that I've seen coming up for the Christmas special, this feels different. So in a good way, in uh, a good
0: way. James, your overall thoughts.
3: Um, you know, this, this episode conflicted me, I'm going to say. I'm, the, but when I start saying that, it's not because I didn't like it. I, I, I While the doctor was having this uh, bi-generational thing, I was sort of having a beside-myself moment as uh, a person who's a fan, but also a person who, and again, I'm, I'm, not, like a, I'm not a professional writer, but a person who likes to create. The, the two of us were having like a, a conversation about how this episode went. Because I loved it as a fan, but, like, the the idea of the regeneration of the Doctor, I feel like, you know, we and we've talked a few times on this podcast about it, you know, the idea of children and how people watch it and stuff. Like, the the idea of the regeneration of the Doctor kind of gets used to the idea that change is part of life. And sometimes things have to end, and that's just part of life. Like, whether you like it or not, something's going to change, something's going to end, and that's... And, and also, it's the, the idea that Doctor Who... Um, as we spoke about, like um, gives you something new for the time or something new to get used to. like Doctor. Who changing lets you know that things have to end, but also that things can begin and you have to get used to new things. But now we got the best of both worlds, which <laughs> which is, you know, and and sort of, and I hate to use this word because I think it's used so much, but fan service. We had I, I don't I don't want to say that word for it, but I can't think of a better term for kind of what we got here because you get to keep David Tennant. And you get go- you get the new Doctor, you get Shooty as the as the fifteenth Doctor, and um, and I don't quite know like how I feel about that. But that being said, and Josh, we talked about this. I'm a comic book reader. I, I love comic books, and this is not new to me. This concept, because you know, because I, I, you know I've seen social media stuff, and people are either in love with it or they're in an uproar, and I'm like, this has happened for a long time in Marvel, DC, and any other comic book. There's an established character who's had a whole long history of continuity and what you think they are. And then a writer comes along and they introduce something new. And it either clicks or it doesn't. And then sometimes it stays and sometimes it goes away. I mean, JMS, our favorite, one of our favorite writers here, creator of Babylon 5, as everyone always likes to point out, like he came aboard Spider-Man years ago and he changed the origin. He was like, you know, Spider-Man didn't get bitten by a radioactive spider and become Spider-Man. He became Spider-Man because that spider was meant to bite him by destiny and transfer its power over into Spider-Man. And people were like that was amazing. And some people were like you changed the canon. And I'm um, and this is so Doctor Who being able to do this now, where you get to keep a doctor and you also get a get a doctor. Um, I'm fine with as a fan opinion, um, but you know that whole like kind of closure and you only get this new doctor that you have to get used to. Um, You know, creatively, I'm still kind of wrestling with that, but not in a way where I think it's terrible or I'm I'm always on board for the ride. I mean, I've said many times on Secret Origins and Trash Compactor, like uh, having read and been part of pop culture for so long, just show me something new. Try something new out. Mm -hmm. If it fails, fine. If it doesn't, great. But I, I like to see someone trying stuff and just giving me the same old stories. Uh, Josh, I I know I rambled on there, so I don't even know if I answered your question, but those are my (laughs) feelings kind of about it.
0: You answered it perfectly, and I actually think you articulated my feelings almost exactly about the special. Again, I didn't not like it. Well, well, let me back up for a second. Saturday morning, I woke up with a horrible stomach flu. I had had the shivers. I I had a fever. It was really the opposite of what I thought my Saturday was going to be. I went into saturday thinking oh great i'm gonna watch the new doctor who i'm gonna see new doctor it's gonna be great instead i woke up and i felt awful so when i watched it i was struggling i was like i've got to watch this i've got to watch this (laughs) and so my first viewing was suboptimal uh but i watched it again and yeah james i think you really hit the nail on the head um one of the things that i love about doctor who is that It does teach you that everything ends and it's sad, but things change and life moves on. And, you know, one of the reasons I think Doctor Who has lasted so long is because built into it is that that seed of reinvention, like the idea that Doctor Who is a show where your favorite show is going to be canceled and this. New show is going to saunter off masquerading as the old show that you loved. And that reinvention is kind of a part of it. And so it's cool. Like, you definitely get the sense that Shuri Gatwa is the doctor. I don't think he he was upstaged. I think it was risky to have him and David Tennant, the most popular doctor in Modern Who, and the brand new Doctor without a track record, the unknown quantity, share the screen for so long. But I think Shooty got what really, you know, made it his own. I thought it was really interesting. You really got the sense of seeing Shooty and David Tennant on screen at the same time. David Tennant really felt like the older Doctor. He felt like an old man on the screen. Yeah. Which is funny because I'm so used to thinking of him as like young and fresh faced. and mm-hmm. uh, But he really, he really felt like an old man. Um, and it was commented on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they had to go through it. Like, <laughs> which one of us is <laughs> old? Okay, old
1: man, time to get out. I'm I'm younger than you. He's younger than you. Okay, kid, get out.
0: So so about that, let's talk about the mechanics of the bi-regeneration. What actually happened? Because the visual language, what we just saw visually, made it seem like it was like a clone. He like literally split the TARDIS literally emerged from the other TARDIS. But in dialogue, it seemed like this was a future incarnation pulled into this moment. I'm not sure exactly what happened. I'm not sure that it necessarily matters. Because again, for all intents and purposes, in terms of the real world and not the world of the actual show, the regeneration happened. We have a new doctor. Shudigat was the new star of the show. So for all intents and purposes, it doesn't really matter what the in-universe... Mechanics were, but I am curious because I've read online a lot of people are confused about exactly what happened. Like, was it a clone situation? Was it a time travel situation? Was it shenanigans from the toy maker?
2: Uh, what are your thoughts on what we I actually saw? I think that last part is what they really went with because they they drove in hard. And before we get to the toy maker, who I think Neil Patrick Harris, uh, I was like, okay, is he going to ham it up too much or too little? It was like, oh no, he did it perfectly. He was just the right level we needed uh, for that kind of of role and villain. But the idea of play, the idea of rules that are outside of our universe, which they, again, started in the second episode, which is being on the edge of the universe, which what in the world is that? Well, it's some sort of mathematics we'll get to in a couple centuries. So we're already way out of what we can actually conceive of right now in imagining both outside the universe and then because of his cleverness and the salt opening the way to this thing from nearly 60 years ago, uh, which was on the other side of the underverse. Something I, we don't even know. I mean, I, I have no idea what that part of the mythos is. And it sounds like they only did it very briefly early, early on in the show, defying any understanding of physics that we have. So, just with all that said, it's a toy maker, it, it, it is a realm of play, it defies all rules. So if we're going to try to apply all the rules, we know we have to take into consideration, but wait, there are no rules except for like the rules of play, which are this entirely other thing. So whether it's going to be a traditional regeneration that maybe just brought somebody out of time, or is it a cloning? Those are our current universe concepts. And this is, this is the remnant energy of the, well, first is the energy of the time maker, a, a toy maker, and then the second TARDIS, the remnant energy. So I think it's, it's something that we sort of have to accept as a, uh, quantum wave and particle at the same time, seemingly contradictory, but possible. And I, I, as a viewer, I'm actually, I don't know, this is sort of the way I watch shows now. If the story, uh, uh, gets me and I feel like, Ooh, I really enjoyed that. And I can tell that they're trying, uh, I I say yeah. This this works. This is something totally you new, know, probably unique to this situation. You'd have to have the toy maker and outside of the universe being involved. Uh, I don't think they're going to be doing it repeatedly. It just sort of works as a as a completely side notion. Um, something that was a myth. Something that maybe the time lords never do. And remember, those time lords. There was a thirteen regeneration limit. All this other stuff and that was because the time lords probably controlled regeneration and maybe they were keeping the information on what it was very locked down that's a cool way you can write that too so that gives all the future writers a lot of leeway to say like yeah we're we're gonna play with this for the next 60 years yeah anyway. i was just gonna add to your
3: john like i i don't i watched the bbc like official wrap-up show afterwards mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys caught that but the hosts on there, like, had, like, Russell T. Davies, like, gave them some information and he popped in for, like, a few pre-recorded clips about the bi-regeneration, bi- and, and I don't quite know the mechanics he was trying to explain, but apparently this is something that can happen for with Time Lords, and also because it happened here, it had a cascading effect down through all his previous regenerations, which he said mm-hmm. is why Tom Baker is old, and the fourth Doctor in the 50th regeneration is what they're implying that when Matt Smith met Tom Baker, that was the fourth Doctor, is what their little group of people were talking about. So I, I don't, and Russell T. Davis can obviously change this at any point, but it's very confusing. Like he, we had the guy there trying to explain it and he didn't quite say what was happening, except this is, I guess, a new form of regeneration that now is open to all previous incarnations. And well, they we're if we also can talking have... about- oh, Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, and I didn't watch them, but I don't know if you guys did, but they had what these TARDIS- Clips, like these shorter five minute oh, but, things of yeah. the previous doc. I didn't watch them, but he said like all of those are apparently they're older version of the doctor because of this regeneration thing that's split off. So I don't know. Well, that yeah, doesn't yeah. help our conversation, but <laughs> it's just what Russell St. Davies is implying. If we can get behind the
1: watcher being the doctor all along and melding with the doctor after a traumatic fall from a radio telescope and merging why are and, 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 then you know, Cho Chi and, and, in um, the last Pertwee story, uh, planet of the spiders, planet of the Spiders. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, if we can get behind, you know, two doctors being side by side and then just kind of morphing into one, why are we having a, I, I, I see some part of the doctor who fandom having, you know, a conniption uh, that you know, the doctor has regenerated into two. Why is he split? And you, on, on, to just piggyback on that. I, there's that line saying, you know, basically, they're talking to each other saying, you go heal yourself. T- because I am I am better because you are going to go do this. So my thinking is, is that this is a this is not a, a doctor pulled from the future. This is a this is a brand new doctor who has the memories And we'll have the memories as, you know, the 14th doctor gathers his memories and we'll have the memories in his head he won't. I mean, I'll just remember him as memories. And he remembers that
2: he did this. He went away and he he got better. And guy, I think you're you're getting on what the episode and maybe what this entire 60th anniversary was really about right there was about the healing because that they, they started off early on. With uh, again some really cool nostalgia, the the Avengers Tower. I mean, excuse me, the Unit Tower. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and <laughs> Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, and just the reunion of that Mel. You know, all these people, and and and, and the sense that set up the groundwork for the idea of coming home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Donna early on mentioning that, like, I was in, like, I was in your head. I was there. Like, you were staggering along, wearing yourself out. Maybe that's why your old face came back, and then he he immediately diverts because that's classic. Tenth, fourteenth doctor is to you know it's like ima- imagine imagine him actually in therapy. The therapist would probably be going crazy. Like, well, you stop diverting. That's what that doctor does. And this was about completely transforming that mindset to that endpoint where the fifteenth doctor comes in, and, and which I thought was also hilarious. If we're, if we're going to nitpick about anything, it was that. When they split and only one has pants, they both still had a white shirt. So there is an inconsistency that the script supervisor missed. No, um, was I thought it was it was a t shirt. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was, it was it's the like undershirt. A undershirt, and then the dude had the button down shirt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. There you go. Is is that we now know the limits of bi regeneration does not apply to clothing. So right. that is established canon now. But we, <laughs> but the 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 whole like point, as you sort of said, was of, of like. It is encapsulated in this one line. He said, I'm fine because you fixed yourself. We're time lords. We're doing rehab out of order. order. I sat there and I he was like I was shoved back into my chair like those old Maxwell audio cassette commercials. Like it just blew me away. And I thought that's so, so beautiful. Um, and, 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 and that, yeah, I mean, the doctor's always been running. The Doctor's always been running from something, and they've each e- each writer and showrunners had their own take on what the Doctor is running from externally and inster- internally. And this was sort of the idea of, yeah, you know what? I, I think I think if I were coming to this show, I can I can very much see Russell Davis being like. Dear Lord, we've just gone through a collective trauma globally. We are still really messed up, in many ways, getting more messed up. Like trauma seems to be a, the theme of so much modern sci-fi. We've talked about this, reviewing episodes of Star Trek: Picard, uh, New World's Discovery. All those shows seem to be really doing that. But I'm seeing it everywhere. And this was like instead of just talking about being traumatized, this was like, yeah, you fixed yourself, but it's a process. We're doing it out of order, so I'm going to give you a hug. And it's okay. And then the 10th, 14th doctor realizes in those end moments with Donna's family, this is what he's been fighting for. Because this is like, what the hell? Why are we, f- the Pandorica, the Time War, all of this. What the hell? I love that line. What the hell? Which is, yeah, like, what, why is all this happening? And why are you involved in all of them and never getting to sit down for a moment? And and that's what I took away was that the, the sadness wasn't nearly as profound as it was in the past of leaving companions. Because listen, David Tennant's Fourteenth Doctor is there hanging out with Donna. She's mortal. She's human. He's now a billion years old. How that calculates out is is, is interesting. But you know, realistically, probably centuries of you know remembered experience, and she's going to die. The family's going to pass on. Like everything is 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 going to change. But he's there, able to enjoy those moments. Now he's able to enjoy a family. And yeah, you know what? And he says, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And that's, and, and, and you know, he's not dumb. He knows that that too shall pass. Um, there, Doctor Who's not missing that concept. But it's, it's, it's almost a very uh, uh, sort of like, again, it's almost a therapeutic viewpoint of slow, stop that, stop for a moment, live in the moment. Knowing that there'll be more adventures to come, more problems to come, you can have these beautiful moments with people and not worry about everything else or when it's going to end. That that was my personal takeaway, which was just, yeah, you get to do it. And maybe he does that. Maybe he hangs around for ten or twenty years. It could be the earthbound adventures like they did previously with doctors. You know, of, of this doctor, they could do some audio dramas that are that are more you know limited in scope if they if they chose. But it would be the like yeah he's chilling and really working on himself and really you know fixing so that now the 15th doctor is out there going wild having crazy journeys adventures and fun like and, and and almost in a way that gets a real reset to where it's not just running away from something but running towards new things uh, and that was that was that was what I thought thematically this episode worked because it did all of that and I think writing it that way is why I'm so damn excited for what comes next. And we know that they dropped a hint in this episode as to what comes next. What 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 was the uh he who hides? He is who he was hidden? Who waits? Who, who he waits, waits. Was the monkey the, the, the one who was waits was hiding from the <laughs> toy maker The toy was like, Nope, not even I was gonna go up against that. So all right, we know something big is coming. We know something big is coming and we get and we get that set up, but now even though it's ominous, it doesn't feel like it's uh, tragic. You know, yeah. there, there's been more of a sense of tragedy recently. And then and, and before I get off my like long soapbox in this, um, I I had read in, in the lead up to this, you know, Russell Davies has always been really good at writing about loss. But I know from articles about him, he's experienced a lot of loss since his time in Doctor Who. Uh, some very personal loss, you know, thing, things that we all go through to one extent, but it, it sounds like it really was really tough. And I think that this writing shows added life experience to coming back to a show and being like, yeah, and this is how we're gonna go forward, and and, and that's why I think we really are in for uh, a real treat with this with this new season. And yeah, Shooty got one phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Just in just in the fifteen minutes we got, really, really, really exciting. And uh, yeah, I haven't watched any trailers or previews. Happy to be spoiled on him, but, like, I'm happy to go in on Christmas and just experience whatever it's going to be. He
0: also seemed very, I think, joyful in a way that previous incarnations of the Doctor, you know, obviously they all have, you know, moments of happiness and joy and levity and play. Um, But he seemed not so weighed down, I think, because of that healing that 14 goes through and then bestows upon him. Um, I also got the impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, I don't mean to speak for something I don't really know about, but he seems overtly queer coded from everything I've seen. Not only is he joyous, but he's, he's joyously queer, which I think is fantastic. And I also think shows a progression, like you were saying, John, from Russell T Davies personally, because, you know, when he brought the show back... There's a reading that the Nice Doctor, having survived the Time War, you can read that as survivor's guilt as a gay man surviving the AIDS crisis, right? <laughs> and I think to go from there, 20 years later, now he's writing, it's, it seems to me from what we've seen, which albeit hasn't been that much, but he's writing the Doctor as like a furiously, gloriously, visibly queer character. Which I think is
1: beautiful. I mean, when he took up the mallet and before he split the TARDIS into two, he had a very uh, very gay yeah. moment when he was like, Well stand yeah. back, you know. I, mean, I was like, Oh hey girl. It seems there has been though a collective I'll say st- it again, a massive conniption in some areas of fandom that how dare the doctor become a a queer character or even overtly gay character. I mean, they're uh, for those of you who saw the, the trailer, you know, it opens up with Judy in the, the nightclub dancing with his arms above his head and in a white tank top, you know, swing to some music. And that's when they, he meets, you know, Ruby Sunday. And I was like, it's just it screamed Like, yes, sure. Yes. That's who he is. That's he's not human. So yeah. you're, you're, you're your narrow-minded mentality it has has nothing to do with this alien who has experienced, yeah. out of his mouth, billions of years of, of, of experiences. So, so why don't you sit back, Ken, and sit back, Karen, <laughs> and just let somebody, you know, that is, is, it knows what they're doing, run the show, and you just pipe down, please. Uh, with your narrow minded bigots and enjoy the show because you know, even the doctor, you know, what would the, what would the doctor do? The doctor embraced Rose, Rose Noble Temple without, a, <laughs> without batting an eyelash. Yet on this side of the screen, people's heads are melting off of their flipping bodies. So, if, is the doctor, a, a, is it queer bathing? I don't think it's queer bathing. I just think it's a natural progression. I, I, I think it's it's why not? After 60 years of it varied this way, why can't it suddenly veer a little bit this way? Why can't it be more fluid?
2: I agree. I, yeah, well, I mean, you remember that there was even a reaction against Matt Smith because a he was too young, right? There was a lot of pushback on Matt Smith being too young. Uh, and again, he's one of my absolute favorite doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there was I wouldn't say there was early queer coding, but there was definitely some pushing of boundaries that he wasn't he wasn't following human binary sexual and, and gender mores because he was the doctor. He was beyond and encompassed that like it, it was these things. so. So he sort of played with little bits here and there. And that was because he was just out there. It, it, you know, so, so to limit those concepts, I mean, like, yeah, like, biologically, two hearts. Like, it, It's not it's not meant to be this isolated thing. But that was a change off of the history. Even Christopher Eccleston was a bit of a change uh, as, as they were going in a younger direction. He was he was he was darker as as, as a doctor, but also had this uh, whimsy to him. And then and then when I think about all this, they introduced Captain Jack with with the ninth doctor. And, and and that's 2006. And as, as as a as a he is gay in the show, but he's but he's specifically I think the word was omnisexual. He would sleep with anybody who was hot, uh, any species, any gender. It was just like, OK, if they're hot and I'm into them, we're going for it. And and and, and uh, both the ninth and the 10th had to keep him. They were like, OK, can you stop? Like, can you not hit on them? Like, we are trying to save the universe right now. Um, and that was fun. But it was also a very. 2006 portrayal, which was, okay. we're going to get somebody who's who generally presents as gay on screen and it's going to be like a very specific version of that. They're going to be gay and it's going to be about sex. It's going to be about all of that. And we've come a long way since even those years You go back to the 90s and some of the first characters you see on TV to where now it is not only something that is just sort of there and part of culture, but it's people who are not. Just tied down by tragedy, uh, as, as, as you know. Any character in the '90s, it was because of the HIV epidemic. Uh, in, in the odds was sort of like, "Well, we're here, but we're fighting, but it's really difficult." Now it's like, "We're having, we're going to have a great time with this. We're, we're going to, we and we're going to share with you what our experiences are and just enjoy it." So the first scene being dancing, yeah, go for it because that—that's what we want for literally every group of people everywhere is to get to the point where it's just, yeah, this is who I am. I'm going to celebrate it and smile like Mm -hmm. this is where it is to see. Russell Davis obviously went on that journey himself, like in terms of as a writer to go from like, this is a portrayal of this era. You know, he did queer as folk, completely different portrayal of LGBT life. Um, uh, later, later on, years and years—about five, six years ago—very uh, different. And now there's another. I think he had another show, similarly, at it's, cucumber. It's a sin. All different uh, perspectives. And now it's yeah, this, and it's and a th- sin. That's right. That's right. And now this is this is this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm here for it. But I, that's what I love about watching a writer's journey is that they're not the same writer they were. And the danger would bring somebody back to a show. And I think we've seen it in, in other shows before. Is that. You go back to the old, you go back to the tried and the true, you bring back the old showrunner and all they do is go in their old bag of tricks and they do the same <laughs> thing over and over again. Terry and then Nation, about,
1: oh,
2: anyone? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so what happens. And and that's why I think these episodes worked is because it was a writer who had, cl- and a showrunner who had clearly taken new perspectives, new experiences and, and, and brought that in while holding on to the old. And also his conflicted uh, 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 view on human nature which I think that Davies and Moffat both really mastered because you have Peter Capaldi's doctor giving that brilliant speech about humanity and basically how how awful we can be and and how we are that made its way into this episode and it was it was there it was like yeah the toy maker the toy maker you know set this up um, but the lines on that were absolutely brutal. They were brutal about what we are as human beings. I mean, I think the line was something like, uh, "Don't think you got an. Don't think you have an excuse." You know, um, uh, you know. He said, "You may be clever and yeah. brilliant and everything else, but you are savage and relentless. All that anger, the lies, the righteousness—that's human. That's who you are." And again, that was like a shake me moment. I was like, "Yeah, no, that's the point." Because for all the joy we're experiencing with this episode, it was reminding us is like. This is where we're at now. Um, don't shy away from it. And to all the people criticizing, like, oh, I can't deal with a different portrayal of the doctor. That's what that's for is to say, like, you all think you're right. Everybody's obsessed with thinking they're right. And this is <laughs> yeah. like, it's right, really whole right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we love to think we're right. But I think the best part comes when you realize, like, maybe there's something I missed that can further enrich the experience. And it can go wow, that that's sometimes the best of sci-fi shows is that you think you got one thing and all of a sudden you're blown away by something you never realized you were, you were understanding was completely different. That for me is a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that's actually something I think
0: the last 20 minutes and like the momentous nature of this episode, I think overshadows what was actually a really good episode in terms of, you know, the premise and the themes and stuff. I think, um, you know, John, what you were talking about the doctor's speech about humanity and saying, you know, I mean, don't think you're off the hook. Like, I mean, this is, I mean, this is you. I very much read that as Russell T. Davies reaction to what we all saw during the pandemic and has, has only continued. I mean, arguably it started earlier than the pandemic. It was just sort of um, supercharged, but how, you know, we've all kind of gone a little crazy and we're all in our own little information bubbles and there's a self-righteous streak. And, and I think, I think everyone has just kind of lost their minds a little bit and we have People to figure are speaking out how like to,
1: they're tweeting, speaking like yes. they're tweeting.
0: Yeah. You know, something has happened collectively mm-hmm. where we've all just sort of forgotten that we are You know members of a larger community that needs to work together sometimes to make the whole thing work for everybody i don't know i thought that that was a very um you could feel the fury i think russell t davies felt or feels from what he's seen happen in the world the last few years um and i thought Tying that in with John Logie Baird and the invention of television, I think is such a fantastic hook for a Doctor Who episode. And tying that into mass media and how that has fueled our collective undoing, I thought was just, you know, really clever and really potent and wonderfully done. And that's something that both Davies and Moffat were so good at. They have these. Brilliant ideas that could, on their own, take center stage, but they're sort of overshadowed because of all the other amazing ideas that are sort of crammed into the episode. And that's sort of how I felt uh, with this. I feel like that on its own could have sustained the episode if you got rid of the regeneration and the the anniversary nature of it. And God, it was it was creepy. The the people turned into marionettes and. Like, mm-hmm. so let's talk I mean, about the
3: little baby dolls were uh, creepy too. Like, the
0: yeah, whole. no, it was. Oh <laughs> you I, mean, always I, was, I out. mean, it was, I mean, it was properly scary, talk. clever. Doctor who, um, so let's talk about the toy maker as a villain and also Neil Patrick Harris's performance. How do
1: we feel about the toy maker? Why well, one I hope he comes back. I mean, he's, yeah? he's so much fun. He, he didn't necessarily chew the scenery. He did not. And I appreciated that. I just loved every flipping minute he was on screen. Even to the point where when, when the doctor and Donna were looking through the, the window of the toy shop and he was just ducking behind. He was playing. Yeah, the minute the doctor sees, he's playing. He's, the minute he interacts, the, the, every time he interacts with anybody, he's playing. He's playing with them. He's playing with the the the, the gentleman who, who buys the, you know, Stooky Bill. He plays with him and he plays with him in a, in a not-so-subtle, kind of being a little racist way, too. You know, saying you're not used to these climbs. I'm so sorry about the rain. You, you're probably used to warmer climbs. And he's like, I was born just like 10 miles from here. Yeah. It was just really good. It was really, really good. And I liked the going in and out of the different accents, different characters. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, well, that's kind of how he
0: rehabbed the um, kind of uh, racist conception of the character as like a Chinese stereotype. He sort the of he sort of made it right. Yeah, the Mandarin. He said he sort of made it. Well, that's kind of the toy maker's thing. He he's racist toward all kinds of cultures. Like, I mean, that's just sort of what he does. Um, you know, which if you think about it, is like pretty sinister. I actually think that it was. Uh, good way of acknowledging the racist history of the character while still making it you know
1: work the toy maker is uh, not human so he can wear whatever he wants i mean he, he i don't yeah. think of it as a cultural appropriation if he's appropriating everything that's it's human i mean he's
0: no well it's not just the appropriation part i think the issue is also like, the word celestial, I think, is a derogatory term for Chinese people. Celestial? Really? Yeah. I don't think it's very commonly known. But at the time, it's hard not to imagine that that was in the head of the writer. So, so I mean, it's just something that I think today would be sort of avoided. So, yeah, I mean, I thought, like, for that reason, it was a not without controversy Choice to bring the character on screen in
2: 2023, but I thought that Russell T Davies handled it very well. I, th- I think it was it was an interesting way because I didn't know until I googled more more about the history of the character. And you know, you do see some problematic writing from from fr- fr- from the 60s, but the way he was playing with the different accents and 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 this you know wh- where the German comes in, where the American comes in, and where he sort of goes back to a default of this. Um, Sorry, stayed British uh, accent is, is, is usually when they're talking about the rules. Um, I thought was, was was again a way that the way that the the characters playing with us, playing with right. the perceptions we have of that. And when uh, uh, mm. the doctor does say like we could we could be in the stars, we could be a celestial, that's when the toy maker is like, yeah, but on the other hand, these humans, like they are. I am obsessed with them. They are great. The games they play with each other. And I love when he goes, he goes, and then there are the mind games. And 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 he goes right. The next line is he goes, the mind games, the dating, the ghosting, the deceit and control. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Yes, you are completely right. Like, um, he goes, you make me dizzy. So he's obviously saying, I don't want to leave this place. So like, yeah, yeah, it's uh it's it's a lot. It's a lot like on the nose stuff where this is, which, which again, I find to be at least, you know, a lot of the modern doctor is calling us out, you know, and why the doctor does get disappointed in us. It's like, oh, man, why are you behaving like this? Like you can do so much better um, and he's even trying to get that through to the, he gives the villains the ch- that same chance, like the Toymaker, you know, sort of says like, well, we could be playing in the stars, but also like, why do you have to do this? Why don't you have like, you know, why don't you think of good and evil? And that's where the, that, that was the interesting part about the Toy Maker as a villain is that he's both, both whimsical and dark at the same time, because he goes, I am beyond all of that. I am endless. And all I care about is winning and losing. And, and he didn't seem to necessarily, even though he didn't, he didn't like losing in the end, didn't in that statement express a preference. He wanted the game, which ties to me thematically back into the whole online uh, thing, everybody being connected and everybody being right, is that every interaction we have on, you know, on social media is about being right or being wrong. It's about winning and losing you win the argument or you lose the argument it's actually not about the morality are you are you uh, doing the right thing or the wrong thing are you do are, are you seeing it from a moral perspective it's more important in 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 the way that our current media and technology shapes things it's more important to win it's more important to be the one that comes out on top rather than maybe learn something or or uh, or evolve and it's again it was all woven in there which is what Doctor Who is at its best. They give us, uh, they give us the A story and the B story, as we were talking about last week. And this A story was so uh, uh, dark and whimsical. I mean, the Spice Girls. I was living for that. I, mean, I was just like, "Here we go, here we go." And meanwhile, but also horrible death at the same time. So I wonder what their opinion is. I wonder what were the Spice Girls think
0: about their uh, their song. <laughs> they loved she-
2: it. <laughs>
0: they posted about it on social media. They loved
1: it.
2: I love that. That's great. I mean, uh,
1: two, two soldiers are turned, are killed basically and turned into rubber bouncing balls during their song. I mean, how amazing and gruesome is that? And
2: funny. Yeah. Is that wrong? Yeah, all of it. which is I part mean, of the show and, and sort of back. That's, that's what we've been, you know, that's what we like from it. But we're also like, Oh, that was also creepy. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was the right. Kind of mixture
0: of scary and creepy and playfully, like whimsical. Yeah, I think the Toy Maker was a really successful villain, and I I think Neil Patrick Harris's performance was great. I mean, Um, because Neil
3: Patrick Harris did all the puppeteering himself for those puppets. Like he, he's yeah. They had to like he and he did in real time too because I was watching. They had a very tight shooting schedule and he's like this. You have to give me the puppets. I gotta do the do the marionette, cut the string. You got to give me the next one, and he did that all in like the in real time. So that was all him because they were gonna have puppeteers do it and it was too complicated. He's like I'll just do it and he did all the like close hand magic. Like he admits like some of it was sped up because I can't do all of that that fast. But I he did all the close up magic and stuff like that. So he was like he was the guy for this part.
0: Um. What the fuck is of links?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the vlinks.
1: The Links. <laughs> the Vlinks. Hello,
2: the Vlinks. The Vlinks. Ice was there. I, it was the Mr. I, Smith. It Seemed familiar, like for some reason, but I can't I but but I you know. I yeah, fly. it
1: just was a weird like oh like, like, hey, you're there.
2: But yeah, yeah I love so, it. it's like, hello, the Vlinks, and that was and that was what it was. It's like the Vlinks. Not Vlinks, but the
0: vlinks. Links. The Vlinks struck me as like something that they recovered from like a crashed mm-hmm. spaceship and they just sort yeah. of hooked up.
2: It, it's setting up the fact that like you know unit has been up to stuff. They're also interacting with because that's their job with yeah uh, aliens, unknown things and um, and working into it. I sort of like the idea of like it's like your father spent all this time trying to conceal unit and now here you are, there we go with the theme again, out and proud, you know, in Avenger Tower. Um, I cannot get over that because every time I saw that, I was like, "Okay, we know what this is." Um, but the idea that unit is now sort of this like publicly recognized uh, a, a thing because you know what? At some point, you can't stop denying that every Christmas there's an alien ship coming down. <laughs> <on London laughs> every Christmas, so at some point, yeah, people people are going to get used to that notion. Um, but it was it was that was that was also one of those like fun like little. Little additions in into the show that maybe we'll get more of, maybe maybe we, we won't, but it also set up a unit to be having you know a role in the next show. And I think there's where we're going to see some of the continuity is uh, is is going to be uh, between you know some of the things they've set up here, some of the characters they've introduced. Um, I really think that that's a very cool way way of keeping us again like they've done it in the past, where the Doctor regenerates but mm-hmm. still sees previous companions. And, and you to know what you were talking about earlier? I, I don't think this is in any way going to be a, an, an issue of like, oh, but what is the 14th Doctor up to? I, I think they've buttoned that up. I'm totally there for like other forms of media exploring maybe what the 14th Doctor does on Earth, or maybe his time in therapy. I don't know. That could be a show in and of itself. <laughs> um, but I I feel comfortable with that because I feel like the people running the show and the, and the people that they can be bringing on as writers um, respect that. I don't think that... Doctor, or that uh was gonna have any difficulty uh being the doctor. He is gonna be the doctor of this era, and nobody's gonna question that. And the vibe in the very end was very clear about that, you know. When and then when he goes, it's like, all right, oh man, okay, kids, yeah, off, off. And then Donna's like, I'm not going through this again. And she's walks <laughs> up. She doesn't want to be off, rolled off the TARDIS again. That's she, that is beneath her, and her negotiating for more salary. Yeah. Yes. $60,000,
1: <laughs>
2: $120,000, five weeks vacation, done. Done. <laughs> look, like, huh? And her at the computer, like doing this, the fastest fastest on keyboard in London. I love how they're giving, they gave uh, uh, Donna Noble real props for, like, who and what she is. Because she was always underselling herself, and this time it was like, nope. Which, yeah, th- that's her character's own journey, was she was going to advocate for herself and be like, yeah, one hundred twenty. And yeah, and, and now has something to do and is gonna have this, you know, like her own sort of adventures, which will be kind of funny because probably brings that home to the doctor who might be like hanging out in the backyard to be like, Hey, what do you think we encountered this thing and he's gonna want to help you? Like, no, 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 no. we got this unit. You're 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 gonna hang out. I mean, I could just see how they've set all this up for that sort of like interesting life that that they would lead. Um, and clearly he's using the TARDIS because he took Rose for the. <laughs> tomorrow's already
1: Mel yeah. Mel to uh to New York
2: yeah do you think well what, what was it the, the, the Zlingo the the the, 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 the Zlingo Zlingo is, is that just space Uber like is that what that is <laughs> that, that's what I thought I'm like they're just like oh I yeah thought so yeah, too. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah I don't know what that is I don't, I mean again I don't know if it's like a throwaway gag or if it's yeah if it's something that is is being seeded for the future, so. There are a few things that Russell seeded for the future show. Um, the one who waits, obviously, the boss. The boss is that the same character or no? I, I, or I guess we it don't know. Might be the boss and the one who waits. I, I was thinking they're
1: huh. might be the same. Uh,
0: there was a name drop that has to do with a spoiler. From what I've seen of set photos of the shooting for the next season. Something along the lines of the Torchwood references in the second season. So so there was a word that was said sort of offhandedly that I think is going to factor in in oh, just a, say a it. big way. Triad. Mm, yeah, yeah. They Like Mel said something about they're running Triad in their computer thing. Yeah. So, so, yeah, with, yeah. so there were set photos where there were trucks that say like Triad on the side. So Triad is a thing. Like, I don't know if it's like a Microsoft. A Microsoft yeah, if it's like a Microsoft <laughs> proxy or something. So there are definitely seeds that are being planted for uh, the future of the show. So yeah, Zing, Z- Zingo or whatever that was. I don't know if that's one of them or if it's just a throwaway
3: Mavity thing. I mean, this this also seemed to me like a pilot for the unit show that there's gonna be yeah like no, there's gotta like, be an, a unit show and the fourteenth doctor will probably be like a special guest like in the pilot in the last episode maybe David Tennant will stick around unless they like Tennant's like on board like yeah let's I'll just be a human doctor and I'll be part of unit and we'll do our things but I, like the sixtieth anniversary episode was doing so much but I was lo- I was looking and like this is a pilot this is a backdoor pilot I mean I like mean that like, set. Mm-hmm was huge that set yeah, was, was massive <laughs> that set was yeah,
0: massive and like that's, you got that's,
1: that's not a set you want to collapse and erect and then collapse it's a no. standing set like the tardis yeah yeah
0: and also the the avengers tower it's like they made a a big thing of you know establishing like here is what unit is and it's iconic it has a tower and it is this and here's how it works here's who works there here's the scientific advisor Here's Mel. We brought Mel into Fun. the show. So, like, you know, she's here. Um, and I actually think it'll be really cool if you think about it. If this unit spinoff does happen, it seems the cast is all women. So you have Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. You have Mel. Uh, you have the scientific advisor. Maybe Donna, who apparently works there now for 120 a year, which seems low to me for that job. But,
2: I mean, that's neither here nor there. There's a little bit of pound to dollar conversion, but that still seems pretty low. For that job. I'm yeah, living in London is um, pretty high. But
0: yeah, I think we're definitely getting a unit spinoff uh, because like there was a lot of ground laying for that in this. Um, how do you think this compares to the fiftieth anniversary special? Like, like as an anniversary special, uh, um, either this special or all three as a whole, uh, because I thought they work pretty differently.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I know for me, I was watching um, one of the behind-the-scenes things and Russell T. Davies said, you know, the anniversary specials are usually multi-doctor stories and how he doesn't really like multi-doctor stories because he doesn't really like writing them. Like something that I think the 50th special did brilliantly was that it managed to give each of the doctors their own kind of hero moments make them all seem like they were individual characters with their own things going on, but yet versions of the same character. And in that Stephen Moffat way of just like, he just really made a very tightly, well-constructed Swiss watch of, a, of an anniversary special. And I thought the 60th was like less about Let's explore the potential of a multi-doctor special, even though at the end, we kind of, he kind of did that because he did a multi-doctor story in a way that we've never seen it. I mean, uh, we got two uh, doctors
1: yeah. for like t-
3: over 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 I was like, oh. That was like, mean, That's never of- happened. No.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, the 50th anniversary special, I don't know. I mean, I can't say better, I, but I did really enjoy the 50th anniversary special with the three doctors. And it was sort of like it, being trying to put myself back then, like 10 years ago. It was, the, it was a redemption doctor story because he'd been carrying that guilt that he destroyed all the Time Lords and genocided basically the Daleks, which he felt bad about. Like he killed all these, these two races of people to save the universe. And then he gets an opportunity to not do that, to not be the you know, destroyer of his people, but to find a way to bring them back and to sort of reconcile the choices he made as the wartime doc I thought, you know, like if you if you added Movie Choose, I like the fiftieth better than the sixtieth, but that's it's it's really tough just because I I just the the whole story arc of that ten years of storytelling leading to the six the fiftieth anniversary just felt really compelling and and drawing and and really got at that deep moment of the Doctor where but then again this with John with this sixtieth special was the letting go of all the baggage and guilt of the Timor, of the Pandorica, of the Flock. It was sort of like, Andric. you know, yeah, letting Andric. all of that pain go that he's been through. Because, like, you know, just go back to what, you know, just to about uh, Ch- seeing Chudy be the doctor was like, you know, aside from everything else that everyone said about appreciating what he is. Um, or where they are, when he came out, when he was there, it was the, it was the first, like, one of the first regenerations or very few were, the Doctor knew who he was right when he came, like, he's not, like, I don't know who I am and what kind of guy, like, Judy's Doctor knows I am the 15th Doctor. I'm free, I'm gonna have fun, I'm free of the guilt and the pain and the horrors of what I've what I've been through in my lifetime, and and so, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I like the 50th storytelling, I like the 50th storytelling and what it did, but I also like this, too, for the That is sort of an additional addendum to the 50th anniversary, like relief of that pain and that suffering. So
1: there also seemed to be a lot more, um, um, like pomp and circumstance in our world on our side, leading up to it, like advertisements, posters. I mean, they kind of, it was, you knew this was coming and it was like must see TV. I mean, I remember seeing it with a group of people in manhattan and then i saw it on the big screen in 3d i mean there was just you know at a like a late night showing here in, in new york and it was awesome and it was like all this like are you you just couldn't get in the media and the magazines and and this seemed to be just kind of like a man. Eh, we're doing it well that that's something
2: i feel like the bbc made a choice that right after the 50th anniversary uh, uh they stopped doing that because I, I always remember because of the time in my life when I where I'd moved and done things in my life, there was a time period of 2010 and 11. It was a huge media blitz for Matt Smith's doctor in the U.S. And it had this very from what I remember reading about it. It was a very like popular, like Brooklyn. Aesthetic, like because they were I, I think that's what they were doing. A lot of their like advertisements it was on every MTA bus, but it had this sort of like alternative vibe to it little bit of a hipster vibe because they were filming some of it in the US, but trying to like appeal to that nature. But at the very least, the BBC was putting this huge advertising, you know, you know, mouth behind it in the US. So we all saw that. And particularly Matt Smith's doctor was all over the place. Then after the anniversary, I, I didn't get any of that sense with Peter Capaldi's doctor. It's like they no. decided good enough. Yeah. We're done. And, and, and I think there are also changes into how BBC and BBC America operated here. So who knows what was happening at the higher levels of BBC, but they really stopped caring about the US market or at least pushing into the US market. And I myself found myself slipping from Doctor Who because I wouldn't remember, wait, when is the next season? Because there might be a year gap, a two year gap, a one and a half year gap. And there was no like communication to a US audience, no except no media blitz, no advertisements on social media. It was just sort of like eventually no choice. No
1: I mean, there was no merch. There was no merch. You could walk into a Toys R Us and see, I mean, it was bizarre seeing merch. (laughs) When I was a kid, when I was a little guy in middle school, you know, I would, uh, this is another story for another time, but I would have to go to, to be continued, a porn store in Minneapolis because the owner of this porn shop loved Dr. Who. So he cordoned off a little area. And it just—I i would go there with my dad, and I would get like—I still have this Tardis tin with Peter Davison on it. I, all my books, all my magazines. Yes, he was taking me to a porn store but anyway. But now Toys R Us is having it. And then after what you're saying, John, after after the 50th, it just seemed kind of like whew, tumbleweeds. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and that, I think even that that. that one- we're, we're experiencing that. And maybe because Disney is is, is co-producing and bringing to the U.S., we're going to see more. But even for Disney, I was surprised that there wasn't a bigger push or maybe I just wasn't accessing the media where it was a big push. Um, but it certainly is more than we've had in recent years. And I think that's, that's going to be something we see as a little bit different. And I'm very curious to see going to the Christmas special, you know, and the next season, how much Disney pushes it in the U.S. Because we've been missing out on yeah. that. Well, so that's the thing. I think the
0: real push from Disney is going to start with Shuri Gatwa and, you know, they're calling this next season, season one again. So, Mm -hmm. so I really think it's sort of so, because also uh, the Disney partnership didn't happen until the specials were already, you know, well underway. So I think as far as Disney was concerned, these three specials, I think is really for frankly, the Doctor Who audience that was lost over the last few years to kind of bring them in again and get them excited. And then where Disney really will do a huge marketing blitz and really take some ownership of like, you know, this is our show and we want people to be watching it. I think that that's really going to start with the Christmas special, certainly, but definitely in the lead up to series one, I think I think it's going to be omnipresent. I think Shooty going to be everywhere. The other thing, too, is because, like you guys were saying, the 50th anniversary happened arguably when New Who was at the height of its popularity. This anniversary special happened at, I, I don't think it's inaccurate to say, the Nadir. Uh, when they were shooting Jodie Whittaker's regeneration, they didn't know if that was going to be the end of the show for a while. They didn't know what was coming next. The viewership had really dropped off, and I think the future was very uncertain, and I think, you know, I think we talked about, I think it's very smart and strategic to do the nostalgia thing with the most popular modern doctor, remind you why you love the show, then clear the table, get rid of the baggage. You bring this youthful, joyous, amazing new lead in the form of Shuri Gatwa, the new companion and a new season one, and you start fresh. So I think that's what we're in for. Um, closing thoughts on the anniversary specials: Were they what you expected? Did you guys have a favorite?
1: My favorite, no, was, I think, was the Starbies. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah. I can see that. I just, uh, if I were to pick one out of the three Starbies, just because it was so, it was so needed. It was such yeah. a yeah. slog. Sorry to the Chibnall era, but it was a slog getting here, really. I mean, I, 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 enjoyed Jody Whitaker. She's fantastic. And there were some brilliant, brilliant moments. Like the master reveal didn't see it coming was not, had not been spoiled. And so when, you know, the master became, you know, on the screen, it was just like, but those were, and then, and then the, and the, the, you know, the other doctor, the, the uh, renegade, what would we, well, what are we calling her? The fugitive doctor, the fugitive doctor. Yeah. Thank you. you. Fugitive doctor. Um, didn't know had not spoiled. So there were but those moments. I need more of the, I needed more of those moments. And so getting to this point, it was like, oh, okay, great. And I, I, I really, I loved all three episodes. I still find that, uh, while, "Blue Yonder" is the creepiest Doctor Who episode I've mm. ever seen. Creepier than Midnight. Still, to this moment, when I think back, it it affected me in a way that it just I still can't really vocalize. Um, and then this one was joyous at the and especially at the very end of just just I felt closure. I felt closure, and being a fan for forty plus years, I th- I physically felt. Like, this was, like, closure, but yet a brand new start.
2: I think that was what was the greatest accomplishment of this, whether it be a 60th anniversary or just uh, uh, preparing for the new series, was that it gave us uh, that sense of, and that's what we said at the beginning, was simultaneous closure and new beginning uh, didn't feel uh, uh, a, didn't feel this, didn't feel dragged down by anything, um just felt built up, which I think, I want to be honest, I need that in life right now. I think that I think generally as a people we need that right now is is, is to get, you know, not to not have dark storylines, but to have something that just gives us excitement about what comes next rather than rather than dread or or worry about it. And and so that was totally accomplished. And that's something that I don't think the previous anniversary specials had to do because they weren't they were more so just maybe, Specials, or this, this was, this was, he said, clearing the board, and and starting anew. But it also showcased three fundamentally different kinds of episodes. That's unique to a special too. So it showed us that, wait a second, we have a lot to look forward to because all three had different uh, story types, the way they were, the, the way they were laid out, and all of them worked for what they were. So that that gives me a lot of hope going forward that we're going to get some really interesting but different episodes. And who, at its best, has always been like one episode to the next, almost completely different. Like you're not you're not just going through the same motions week after week, except yeah, you, know, you may very often get a a, a a goofy looking villain. I mean, which is what I think the Meep was all about. The Meep was all about like, yep, we're going to literally show you the cuddliest, goofiest animatronic little thing. That's then going to be the creepiest villain, but because that's sort of the vibe of Doctor Who, it's not meant to be. uh, It's it's not meant to put you in a place where you have to be high minded one hundred percent of the time. It's it's fun and silly as well. And to have done that differently in three episodes is is a great um, preview, I think, of what we're what we're going to get. My favorite one that that that's a tough one. I think my personal favorite is now is the giggle, but it it I you know what I almost can't say because I I really think that. The Star Beast was was so was so good and so uh, uh, and really had so many the, the so much emotion to it uh, and and the second episode The Wild Beyond it was just a different style episode but since that was more of a standalone horror I guess that comes in second place but I just view it as I just view it as one sort of you know one one uh, uh, what do they call it uh, not a compendium it's a uh, you know you get a book of different tales. Anthology? Anthology. There we go. This th- this is an anthology. And, a, and and as far as it goes, well done. Trip, triptych? Triptych. Tri- yeah. Triptych?
3: Uh, <laughs> I just want to say triptych. Uh James. Um yeah, I mean, despite what I might, I hope it came. across, I mean, crossover was the beginning when we started this. Like, I did really enjoy the the sixtieth specials. I loved a lot of parts of it, um, and overall, I thought it was great. I I don't know if I have a favorite because I I like John. I view it as like a whole piece, like it was a a trilogy, like one one thing that was divided into three parts. Uh, but yeah, the Star Beast was was excellent. Um, Wild Blue Yonder was creepy, and uh, the Giggle gave us a lot to to chew on as we've discussed this whole episode. So. But it, you know, really, it cleared the way for for new Doctor Who, and uh, and I'm I'm excited for it. As I said, I am really excited for what we're going to see. I, I don't have a problem ultimately with the choices they made because it's it's storytelling, and I'm I'm ready for more Doctor Who adventures and uh, and seeing where they where he goes, the character goes, and see where Russell T Davies goes.
0: I'm with you, James. I think I'm the outlier here. I have a clear favorite. A wild blue yonder was my clear favorite. Um, just because I just thought it was so, I think I said this last week, but I felt like it was Russell T Davies showing off. He was like, just because I don't always give you what you want doesn't mean I can't do it and do it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I mean, I just thought on every level, wild blue yonder, it was just fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm very pleased with what we got with the 60th specials and Again, I'll just echo what everyone else has said. I'm very much looking forward to the beginning of the fifteenth Doctor's proper tenure. I hope you'll all return to discuss the Church on Ruby Road, the Christmas special. If if, if you guys are if you guys are no, up
1: for that, coming in,
0: absolutely. Any any errant thoughts? Anything you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say, or anything I didn't ask about?
1: So, Not a, a fan of the new Sonic Screwdriver. It's okay. <laughs> that's all i kind of like it like (laughs) here's why i like it because
0: it's been very clear for a long time that it is so much more than a screwdriver i feel like it should look like i feel like it should look like it has a readout yeah like if you want a tricorder then yeah matt smith he always used to do this thing where he would like look at it and I'm like, what the fuck are you looking He's at? looking at yeah. This one actually looks like, it's like, okay, I'm sure there's something there. Oh, uh, did you watch the video that Shudi Gatwa made where he explained that uh, there's an inscription of a Rwandan proverb? Oh, in Gallifrey. Uh, that's um, translated into Gallifrey and script. And it translates to, I thought this was beautiful. I just have to look it up. The sharpness of the tongue defeats the sharpness of the warrior. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, which for the doctor is,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So for Shudi Gatwa personally, coming from Rwanda, uh, but also like it just shows that connection to the character and his culture. I thought was was very lovely. So Guy, I don't know if that sways you at all. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not separate from the design, but I'm fine with the screwdriver. <laughs> I want to thank my guests, James, John, and Guy. You're all beautiful women, probably. If you liked what you heard, please follow TARDIS Rubbish on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We'll be back after Christmas to discuss the 15th Doctor's first full adventure, The Church on Ruby Road, and until then, laugh hard, run fast, and be kind.